Well, we are here at the Tamar Nona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different subjects today. And one of them, CBDC, tactic or strategy. Also, Ukraine, the real results. Also, the Iranian danger and the United States aorta, which is the Mississippi River. Why is that important? We're going to find out on the show. Also, some nasty stuff going on that our guest is going to talk about. And we're going to start out with this topic. When insanity and reality become synonyms, society is in real trouble. Our guest today, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Manachem, he is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 80 books, sorry, 90 books, and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideast and world issues. I want to welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Manachem. Thank you. All right. So I guess we'll start out with the title of the show, which is When Insanity and Reality Become Synonyms, Society is in Real Trouble. No, I think that's that, that. That title is sort of the result of all the of all of the of the actual topics. Okay, Dan, because I was hearing something really good about labels and synonyms and things like that, and how it ties in with the days of the Messiah. But let's go. What do you want to start with? CBDC. Sure. All right. Tactic or strategy? Go ahead. Okay. So first of all, if anybody is not understanding CBDC, a central bank digital currency. So that's that's the basic concept here. The idea is, you know, what what actually is it? Is this the objective? Is the objective the digital currency, or is the digital currency used for a tactical as a tactical tool to gain other things? I'm certain that most people are going to say, well, you know, well, what's the question? Obviously, in double quotation marks, uh, uh, it's it's a tool to be used for uh, enhanced surveillance of the populations. It's not that simple. <laughs> um, nothing is ever quite one-dimensional like that. So let, let's talk a little bit about what, what it is, the whole thing, this whole economic milieu that we're looking at right now, where the digital, the so-called central bank digital currency aspect of it is one aspect, a very central aspect, a very important aspect, but only one aspect of it. And for, well, obviously... Uh, as everyone is aware of the news, we need to start with the debt ceiling in the United States. The United States has a legal debt ceiling. The United States government is not allowed by law to um, uh, uh, borrow over a certain amount. Um, and there is some dispute about, about that, evidently, that some people are saying that there is a uh, a statement or a paragraph in one of the Um, uh, uh, um, constitutional amendments that seems to nullify that. I'm not a constitutional scholar. I can't comment on that. I'm going as far uh, to uh, 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 with what we know. Okay? So the debt ceiling since it has been, since it was first implemented, has been raised now 79 times. That's not a joke. 79 times. Why, Why have a ceiling if it's automatically raised? I don't comprehend, but that's me. Okay. Um, the U.S. budget has been balanced exactly once in the past 50 years. So uh, that's those two statements are 
sort of a, 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 a basic first grade drawing of the problem. If think about uh, your, your first grader children, what they would draw, that sort of draws the problem. We have, there's a debt ceiling, the debt ceiling has been raised 79 times, and it, that's happened because the United States evidently seems to be incapable of having a balanced budget. Okay, so the end of this decade, the decade that we're in right now, the, the, the 2020 decade or whatever you want to call it, the cost to service U.S. debt will equal nearly half of all tax revenues. Let me give you the numbers so you understand what the background of that is, of that statement. It's kind of a horrible statement. 2017, in other words, uh, uh, six years ago, U.S. debt was $20 trillion, not trivial. Spending was $4 trillion and revenue was $3.3 trillion. Okay, so we're seeing there's a, a, a point seven trillion dollar deficit for that year revenue has grown every year this is why i chose 2017 that was when uh the trump administration passed their tax cuts revenue has grown every single year since the tax cut since trump's tax cut which of course is one of the reasons why biden wants to repeal it but that's beside the point so in 2023 spending has risen to 6.4 trillion dollars up from $4 trillion, uh, in other words, risen by uh, basically $2.5 trillion increased spending uh, uh, from six years ago. Revenue has increased to $4.8 trillion, so the deficit for the year has uh, risen from uh, uh, 0.7, $0.7 trillion to um, uh, uh, nearly $2 trillion. That's a big big rise more than more than 200 percent total u.s government debt in five years grew from 20 trillion to 32 trillion okay one needs to deeply comprehend the game what, what the game really looks like only 35 percent of the u.s budget is what's called discretionary what's non-discretionary that means uh, basically, debt servicing and uh, the, the so-called entitlements, things like um, uh, uh, Social Security and et cetera, things like that. Um, so out of that 35%, half of that is defense spending. Which they're cutting now. Yes, uh, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Um but anyway, half of the half of the 35%, the so-called discretionary part, is defense. This means that raising the debt ceiling means that the U.S. now finds so-called structural change in spending in in in, in a change to 15% of the total budget. That's their, that's what they're calling structural change. 15%. Hmm. Basically, the United States has. Uh, as the expression is, painted itself into a corner. 15%, sorry, it, it just doesn't really matter that much. It matters 15%. That's not going to really make any major change. The government will, the U.S. government, will in about five years spend so much on debt service and entitlements that further raises will no longer work. In other words, in five years, Raising the debt ceiling 
won't matter anymore. Remember, what is a debt ceiling? Debt ceiling means this is what the United States government is allowed by law to borrow. Well, to borrow money, you have to have someone who's willing to lend it to you. What moron is going to lend the United States more money when they know that it will never be paid back? It is not possible. It is already very, very iffy. Well, explain what the consequences are if the United States doesn't pay back its debt. In other words, I mean, when you do that it, with a regular bank, they take your house. They, can they take the country? <laughs> no, no. The, 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 the United States, uh, okay, that's an excellent question. Um, there, there's a question here of what's called an economic model. The, the, the normal, pardon me for the use of that word, normal economic model says things like you have to uh, budget within your means. That's like what everybody, what every family does. You, you try to budget within your means, and if you go out of your means for, for, for a short period of time and you go into debt, you try to mitigate that debt as soon as possible. In the United States, there's a, um, how should I put it, uh, uh, a, a, a conceptual movement by economists on the left in the United States that claim debt doesn't matter and they're not totally wrong. It doesn't matter why, because the United States for the last about, uh, well, since 1973, basically, that's to say, I'm juxta just opposing the canceling of the United States gold standard together with the agreement made between the United States and Saudi Arabia, such that oil would only be priced in dollars. Okay. So that's when the United States, uh, 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 conception of economics changed or was allowed, was permitted to change, was capable of changing. And, the, and the, it changed to where it is today, where they say debt doesn't matter because we can basically export our debt and unload it on unsuspecting poor schmucks from other places in the world. And because they're poor and we can simply spit on their faces, it doesn't matter because they'll have to lend us the money they don't have a choice. Except that doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way. Well, let, let's let's jump ahead for a moment and we'll come back. The United States is talking about $32 trillion in debt. But the United States' biggest creditor is China, which itself has $24 trillion in debt. So who's going to lend the money? That's where the problem really lies. And, in a, and after the break, we'll talk and about... They can't just print the more money. Sorry? And they can't just print more money. Correct. And they won't go into another country and invade it and rape it and take all of its money. <laughs> well, the United States has done that in the past, and so has so have many other empires. I mean, that's not something that's uh, um, uh, unknown in human history. Right, right. This has been done many times. Um, uh, uh, the British, of course, were the, were the ultimate uh, champions of that throughout, his, throughout their history. Um, the United States less so. Okay, hang um, on. Hang on. We have to go to a break, everybody. We're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere.
Shalom, this is Nadia Matar from the Sovereignty Movement. At a time when there is so much disinformation, you have to know who to listen to to know what really is going on in Israel. Israel News Talk Radio is the radio where you can know that what you hear is the truth. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk hey y'all, I'm Chelsea and I was born and raised in Cajun country in the heartland of Louisiana. Listening to Israel News Talk Radio has broadened my horizons way past the rice fields. Hi, this is Gordon from Southern Indiana. I'm listening to IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Hello, this is Hank Poach from the Netherlands. We love Israel and we love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. We are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. We're talking about the U.S. debt. And you were in the middle of answering a question of mine. And when you finish that question, I have, an, I have another thing. And that is, how is that going to affect the rest of the world? Because everybody wants to know, how does that affect me? So go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll affect the rest of the world. It already is affecting the rest of the world enormously. Okay. So what I'm saying is that in five years... Whether they raise the debt or not won't matter anymore because nobody's nobody's going to be stupid enough to to lend the United States money anymore. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Well, they, 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 their present again, their present economic theory is um, well, if there's you know there's a problem, we'll just print more, print more, print more, print more. No problem. We can we can always print. Well, it doesn't quite work that way because the more money you print you're basically devaluing currency. the currency yeah. that you're printing. So till now, that's been sort of okay. They can afford to do that again because they're exporting their debts, they're exporting their inflation, they're exporting all of the nastiness to other countries in the world, particularly the poor countries. And they're not so much exporting it to Europe, but they're doing it to Latin America, to Africa, to the Middle East. To, to countries that really can't squawk very much, okay, or t- couldn't till now. However, it turns out that Newton was right, and every action does have an equal and opposite reaction. And what we're seeing right now, um, one of the symptoms of what we're seeing is the the banking problems. But what we're actually seeing that what they what 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 is actually in reality, what's behind the banking issues is there's a liquidity crisis. What is a liquidity crisis? Well, if you look at what caused these several banks to fail, all of them failed basically for the same reasons if we talk about in terms of economics. They, 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 they had a situation where they could no longer borrow money because their collaterals had dive down, not just drop down, but dive down in value. And what were their primary collaterals? U.S. Treasury bonds. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So this caused a, the bank failures. The bank failures were actually caused by a liquidity pr- crisis, which is actually causing banks to cease lending to businesses and to individuals. Mortgages today in the United States are much more difficult to, to come by. Business loans are much more difficult to come by. 
which means that small businesses in America are in big trouble right now, which is the primary economic driver of the U.S. economy historically. Um, and what we're going to see, the biggest danger, can, <coughs> pardon me, can the United States get out of this? Well, perhaps, except there's something called oil. And nobody is looking at oil because oil has been cheap for the past few months. But at the Qatar Economic Forum two weeks ago, Saudi Arabia's energy minister, Abdulaziz bin Salman, stated that OPEC Plus will, will remain proactive, I'm quoting, and that oil speculators betting on prices to fall will be ouching again. That's his word, not mine just as they did in April if they don't mend their ways. Notice he's saying, um, listen, people, um, there's a limit to how much the OPEC countries are willing to continue to pump our resources, our natural resources, and give it to you on the cheap, and you people just sort of spit on us. We can do that for a little while, but not for a very long while. So... Ouching means that they, they have an intention to begin to raise prices. We have already seen that two of the major world exporters of oil, um, Saudi Arabia and Russia, have limited their production to cause prices to rise. Prices have already, prices have already begun to rise. This will, of course, cancel everything the um, uh, 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 um, Federal Reserve Bank of the United States as we know, is not federal and is not reserve. Um, everything they did for, to, to fight inflation will be simply thrown in the sewers. Um, and we will see what's going on. And again, let's look at symptoms. Let's look at what's actually happening around the world. And if we look at just, for instance, if we look at Europe, which uh, 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 some people consider to be of some value, um, Again, remember, when the European Union was first formed, Europe had about between 30 and 33% of the world economy. It now has less than 10% of the economy. And Germany, the largest economy in Europe, is now officially in recession because no, economic, no uh, industrial economy can function without competitively priced energy. And electricity in Germany today happens to already be the most expensive electricity in the world. So German economy is in very, very bad shape. And if we just, as, a, as an aside, add to that something we've talked about in the past, and, and I, I, I'll mention later on that the, the water levels in European uh, uh, rivers is uh, 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 down Again, a major still. drought again, yeah. And so they're having problems with internal European transport as well. So everything's getting more um, expensive and more difficult. And basically, um, they don't know where to go from there. So Germany is thus now implementing a new law, which is a, a law to examine, in their terminology, a law to track energy use. Well, the law will track 
the use of energy by individuals and companies throughout Germany. So they're measuring people's footprint. Correct. Well, not footprint so much, but uh, they're, they're, they're using, measuring their use of energy okay. in order to be able to control it. So what's the difference between this kind of surveillance and CBDC surveillance? Open question. I don't know how to answer that. What I do know how to say is that um, there was a conference two weeks ago. Uh, uh, what did they call it? Um, uh, um, um, uh, uh, in, in Europe, um, uh, beyond growth, where they're saying that they demand that the world begin that the world stop growing. Okay, but what they actually demand these, you know, everyone there at this conference are all people that make a minimum of. Uh, Hundred to four hundred to five hundred thousand euros a, a year, and so that who who should stop growing? Well, Black Africa should stop growing. The Black Africa, their energy use is equivalent to the European engine energy use in 1860. Does anyone really think that Black Africa will agree to that? Um, I and would say the, that's rather unlikely. So the, the this 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 new concept in the in the in the in the in the lefty West of um, you know uh, uh, we will continue with our private jets and our steaks. You guys will eat bugs and like it. Some animals are more equal than other animals, Mordecai. Yes, yes, yeah, very true. Okay, let's go to the next topic. Uh, oh no, no, we're not there yet. There's still oh, more right. of the economic stuff. Okay, go. <laughs> the five BRICS countries today already have a GDP larger than the G7 put together. Remember the G7, that includes the United States and China. Well, there's an overlap there because China is in both of them, but that's the other one. There are now 114 countries actively exploring the implementation of central bank digital currencies. 114 countries, including 16 of the G20. Remember, we have to remember, cash provides people with autonomy. The objective of the, remember the question that we started out with? Is it a tactic or a uh, strategy? I will claim that cash provides people with autonomy. The strategic objective is to limit autonomy of, of persons. So do the banks control the government or does the government control and oversee the banks? I don't think anybody knows how to answer that question today. Banking is a fraternity, worldwide fraternity. There are many bankers that are lovely people. I have some good friends who are bankers, absolutely honest, everything. But there are no banks that are honest. I've never come across a bank that was honest. And I've been involved both in auditing and in high-level consulting and by high level, I mean VP and up for many banks around the world, including some of the biggest names in the banking industry around the world. Um, will funds be allocated to people rather than earned? How does artificial intelligence juxtapose with CBDC? Again, questions that nobody knows how to answer today. So just remember what I said. The U.S. Uh, 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 debts of 32 trillion next to place that next to 
Chinese debts of 23 trillion. And remember that China is the U.S.'s largest creditor. In other words, they own the vast majority of U.S. debt. And now go back and answer the, try to answer the question, who's going to lend money to the United States in five years? So we That's have, the picture of the problem. We have 10 seconds before the break. What do you want to leave us with on this side? That the, that the, that the basically the, the expression is, when the United States economy catches a, cold. a sniffle, the whole world catches pneumonia. Oh, that's right. That's when they sneeze, the whole world catches a cold. All right, we're going to be right back, everybody. We have more topics to cover that are going to affect you and that you're going to want to know about. We'll be right back. Patients who suffer from heart failure can have a long road to recovery. Medications can help, but finding the right dosage and administration can be challenging. An Israeli firm called Vectorious Medical Technologies is working on a technology that helps patients to self-manage some of their medications under the direction of their physician. The technology uses a wireless device implanted in the body that monitors the heart's left atrium pressure, which has been proven to be the most accurate predictor for heart failure. Using the system, patients can better understand their medication routine and daily life activities. Patients are guided to adjust medications as needed. The medical team is notified if there are specific problems. Could help patients recover from heart failure. For more information on the high-tech world today, visit IsraelTechTalk.com. With your INTR Tech Minute, I'm Bob Aiello. Warning. Take cover. The Jewish Truth Bomb is here. The show that will explode all the false narratives and fake news. Join host Lenny Goldberg each week as he wires the news together and detonates it through biblical verses that will deliver a shockwave that will blow you away. Don't miss it. The Jewish Truth Bomb. Every Monday. Be smart. Listen to Israel News Talk Radio in the background while you work and get the latest news and commentary from Israel. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. We are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, and he is talking about a uh, slew of things that's happening around the world and that, how it's going to affect us. And we're going to talk now about the Ukraine, which is bleeding the United States. It's bleeding other countries that have been forced to or had their, uh, their knuckles twisted how do you say it their, their wrists whatever it is thumbs their thumbs <laughs> twisted in order to give to ukraine and uh you are going to give us now what you say are the real results yeah i'm afraid so they're horrible okay okay let's start off with um what's going on first of all russia uh just as America has never been as weakened as it, as it is today, Russia has never been as strong as, as it is today. Russian influence in the Balkan region 
has not been this strong since Tsar Nicholas. This hmm. is ninth, the beginning of the, of the last century. On every front, Russia is strongly accident, economically, diplomatically, militarily, technologically. Russian, Americans are going to hate this statement. Russian military technology is actually beating every military technology the Americans have introduced to, to Ukraine. Americans put up, for instance, our HIMARS. Russians are simply trivially shooting them down. HIMARS shoots out is a rocket launching system. Russians are shooting them down, and as soon as the HIMARS are launched, Russians know where the HIMARS launchers are, and they're just chopping them to pieces. Russia historically has always been good with artillery since the time of Napoleon, at least. Russian artillery today is by far the finest in the world. They have managed to totally integrate their artillery, their long-range shooting with their um, uh, space and uh, uh, high-altitude reconnaissance, and they're, they're simply doing a phenomenal job. It's horrible what they're doing, but it's a phenomenal job militarily. Um, Ukraine has been inject, in, in, injecting um, uh, regiment after regiment, battalion after battalion, into Bakhmut. Every single regiment like this, within two days to a week, has been decimated by 70% or more. 70%, 7-0. More than 50,000 Ukrainians have already died in Bakhmut. How many? The Russians planted a trap. The Ukrainians walked into the trap. The Russians executed their trap. Probably the finest trap execution in military history. How many died? You said 50,000? More than 50,000 Ukrainians so far. Okay, so a, a lot of people listening to this are probably saying to themselves, what? What are you talking about? We never heard this on the news before. What is your answer to them? Well, first of all, when I said 50,000, I said 50,000 in Bakhmut. In total, Ukraine has lost well over 300,000 dead. And at least that number wounded. And, and you're talking about soldiers or you're talking about civilians? I'm talking about mostly uh, military, the vast majority of military, a few civilians as well, of course. Uh, there always are in war uh, warfare. Remember, warfare is chaos. It always is. Warfare is terrible. It always is. Um, why have you not heard this on, on, on American news programs? Because they're not news programs anymore. They're propaganda. And the Pentagon doesn't want you to know. The White House doesn't want you to know. But there are sources out there that have these numbers. And some of these sources, um, there are some of them that people are probably familiar with, the names like Scott Ritter and uh, Douglas McGregor. These are uh, uh, highly respected individuals. Uh, just as an example, Douglas McGregor, McGregor was a colonel in the U.S. Army, uh, 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 an actual war veteran, and is also a, uh, 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 the possessor of a doctorate in um, uh, strategic studies. So, I mean, this is a, a, a very serious individual, um, and, and there are other sources as well in addition to him, including some sources from the Ukrainian high command. So we're seeing that these numbers have been mostly confirmed by Ukrainians, and yet they are still not reported 
by the imitation news corporations in the United States. And I don't care what the name is, if it's News Corp or ABC or NBC or, or, or Kukuriku. I don't care what the names are. All of these are imitation news corporations and not reporting news, reporting what they want you to know. And we're all very familiar with that from the COVID pandemic where news was and data and information and people's testimonies were, were censored from the Internet. And some of our shows, by the way, that interviewed people who were injured, who interviewed doctors who said not to take these things, that we don't know enough about it, were censored. We got strikes against us for speaking with doctors and telling people during these shows, speak to your own doctor. This is just information we're giving you. You have to make your own decision. We didn't tell anybody what to do. But, uh, but we've, we've, sadly, we have uh, all experienced or many of us have experienced it. Okay, keep going. Okay. Uh, the U.S. And the, and the EU are being evicted from South Asia, from West Asia, from East Europe, from Africa. Europe is still strong in former African colonies, but for the first time in history, both Russia and China are making serious inroads against the colonialists. Remember, I've mentioned this before. France still controls, even though they don't officially, they do not have, colonies in Africa, they still have total control on the economies of 14 African countries. And anytime these people squawk, they are shot down with in the most crass manner possible. And I can say this because I've personally witnessed it. And I've been, I've consulted for African governments. And I know what's going on there. Um, the U.S. has not been this weak in the region since the Barbary Coast Wars. People know American history. was the year 1800. The entire Middle East is now up for grabs. The U.S. weakness is, is just glaring. They used to have something called the Fifth Fleet. They now have a three-ship flotilla. Not a fleet. A flotilla of three ships in the Mediterranean. Iran is threatening to eject the U.S. from the Persian Gulf. And, 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 the, and the Straits of Hormuz, and the U.S. Navy is totally impotent. Impotent, completely. Iran shoots at American naval vessels, and American naval vessels turn tail and run. And this has happened several times over the past few months. At least three times. Tensions are at a critical level. The potential for new wars has not been this high since 1991, the first Gulf War. And I have to say it, um, Israel is not going to help, help the United States in this one. Um, Why? Because we've been betrayed too many times. Uh, a, a report that came out of the UN, um, I think it was a month or two months ago, I forget when, classed Israel's economy as being the fifth largest economy in the world. Or the fifth strongest, not largest, not in size. The fifth strongest economy in the world. Number five, our debt is, is, is a, a small fraction of, of, uh, uh, of what uh, uh, compared to the United States. The United States debt is 130% of GDP. Ours is, I think right now, 60% of GDP. It's totally under control. In other words. Our, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, our, our foreign currency reserves have already passed $220 billion. Unprecedented. We have the uh, largest 
foreign currency reserves per capita of any country in the world, including the oil-rich countries. Largest per capita foreign currency reserves of any country in the world. Um, just give some just give some idea about what's going on in um, other militaries. Uh, 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 in the UK, a report that I received this morning. Okay, the UK has two hundred and forty-five officers at the level of brigadier or brigadier or, or above. That's a one-star general or above. One hundred twenty-three of these are in the army. One hundred twenty-three. Offices of general or greater, they have 89 self-propelled artillery pieces. Nearly two generals for every artillery piece. How was the Ukraine war fought and won? Did somebody mention artillery here? I can go on. I won't won't spend the time on it, but the same thing with the the UK's Air Force, the same thing with the UK's Navy. Everything is top heavy. They have uh, uh, managers. They don't have fighters. That's just Europe. And you and the UK is the largest and most organized army in Europe. That's the best Europe has. The best Europe has is garbage. Sorry. Very bad. Very nasty. I know I'm a, ter- I'm a terrible person. <laughs> but these are the actual numbers. And by the way, the numbers didn't come from me. They come from a parliamentary report. Okay. On that happy note, I'm joking here. The Iranian danger. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Let's look at what's called pros and cons, weaknesses, uh, difficulties and weaknesses. Iran is a vast country. It's, it has a population of 90, more than 90 million, close to, approaching 100 million per- persons. It's larger than the vast majority of European countries. Um, those two statements sound very similar to Nazi Germany, and, and there's a reason why. It has two very important strategic partners today, Russia and China. Russia, is there, in their present war, has found itself in need of Iranian weapons, which has enhanced the Iranian um, uh, weapons industry and also given them a place to test and improve their weapons. China, on the other hand, feels that they're most important issue right now is to protect their energy sources and the vast majority of of their energy comes from Iran, which is why Chinese uh, uh, drew up a contract with with Iran for 25 years, with 25 years of supply supply of energy supply. And of course, Iran is uh, uh, um, uh, 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 sanctioned by the United States just as Russia is sanctioned by the United States and nobody gives a squat about American sanctions anymore. Which also says not just a little bit about America. Weaknesses, Iranian weaknesses. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, one more item on, on, uh, on the difficulty. Iran has a religious hatred of Israel and is willing to use, quote unquote, any means to destroy Israel as they believe it is their religious duty to annihilate the state of Israel. Yeah, but, but saying right. that, saying that alongside hating Israel, which is the little Satan, they hate the United States, which is the big Satan. This is true, but there's a question of, of, of priorities, and their first priority and, and, uh, and right now is, is, is Israel. 
They're, they're not attempting to surround the United States. They are attempting to surround Israel. Uh, I don't know if any if you've heard this. Um, uh, 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 last week, the Iranian um, what do you call it? The head of the Iranian military, I forget whatever you whatever term you want to use, um, uh, announced that Iran now has floating bases. He called them, and these basically are terror ships, ships that are designed to enter a harbor and explode with an enormous quantity of uh, explosive material in order to destroy an entire city. Now, these can be used against Israel, they can be used against the United States, they can be used against uh, Europe, any place, because these, of course, are floating around in international waters and and everybody's afraid to say anything. And as I said, the United States no longer has a fifth fleet, so there's nothing the United States can do even if they wanted to. Anyway, Iranian weaknesses. Some people, people, people sort of always uh, 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 focus on Iran's strength, and they're very serious. We don't, don't misunderstand it. Iranian uh, uh, um, uh, uranium purity is already reaching above 80%, which means that um, uh, 90% purity is weapons grade, which means that they actually can break out to weapons grade material, fission, fissionable material at any time they want because moving from 80 to 90% is, is actually quite trivial. That's still, they still don't have a, a packaging or a delivery systems for it, but those are, those are additional issues. But Iranian weaknesses. One, three major weaknesses. One, over 95% of, Iran, of Iran's GDP comes from energy. And all energy comes from one province. This means that strategically, they are enormously vulnerable. And they're very aware of that. And they're very aware that Israel is aware of that. That's their basic geostrategic military weakness that scares the pants off of them. Number two. Iran is a country of many different peoples. Between 55 to 75% of the population despises the present government and wants it overthrown. 55% of Iran is Shia, 45% is Sunni. And the Shia are not exactly pleasant to the Sunni in Iran. Um, And number three, Iran's demography is in the toilet. They have almost no children. Under the Shah, uh, 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 40 years ago, female fertility in Iran was between six and seven live births per woman. Today, it is claimed by Iran to be at 1.5% live births per woman. Most analysts believe that it is significantly below that. And even if that is correct number, that is for the country as a whole, not for the Persians. And the Persians are the one who, ones who actually run the country. The Persians, it's down below, probably, as far as we can tell, probably below 1.0 fertility per woman. Which means that in a very few years, Iran won't have an army, won't have a military. There'll be nobody to, nobody to man the army. Who's going to go into the army when there are no children. 
So that's a comparison of Iranian danger with Iranian weaknesses. And anybody who talks to you about uh, that the the issue between Iran and Israel is existential is correct, saying that it is horrible catastrophe and we all need to be terribly afraid is totally incorrect. So you don't think that they're going to start a nuclear war? Ah, uh, that's a very difficult phraseology. Let me put it this way. First of all, Iran at present does not have the capability to start a nuclear war. If, the, if they had the capability, would they attempt to use nuclear capabilities against Israel and or uh, other countries? I would say that there is a strong possibility that they would try it. There's a stronger possibility that they would fail to do so. Remember, as I said, um, a very large percentage of the Iranian of the population of Iran despises the government and wants it to go away. They don't want to be at war with the world. <clears throat> Most Iranian people are good people, are normal people. They want to live a decent life. Yeah, but so far the People's Revolution there has failed to be able to to take out the mullahs. That's very correct. They, they have a very strong hold on the people. They use the basij. They use uh, uh, um, uh, all sorts of methods for controlling people. Um, very, very harshly. A lot of people have died over the over these past uh, uh, this past year, for instance, because of the the murder <coughs> the murder of that young woman. Because they kill their own people. Yeah, they kill their own people by the thousands. I mean, if we just remember. The the, 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 the the person who is now the president of Iran, uh, he personally, personally was responsible for over 8,000 dead people, dead Iranians. And he personally participated in killing 8,000 people. And sadly, the United States, which is the superpower, they call, you know, they call them the, the you know, the policemen of the world. And it, it was at at one time a deserved title because America was very powerful. Uh, Amer the, the American, you know, the White House, whoever was in power, did not support the People's Revolution, which you would think that they would, that they would help them, that they would send them, like they're supporting the Ukraine, they would support getting these crazy mullahs out of power, and yet they, do they don't do it. Well, everything you said is exactly correct, but let me mildly modify what your statement was. You said the United States was very powerful. Yes, the United States was, was very powerful. When? When it was very uh, uh, moral. That's when it was very powerful. Today, the United States makes a point of immorality, and it is no longer po powerful. Are those two together? I think they are. But maybe some people don't think that those, those two items are, are, are relatively important. I think that they're very relative to one another. I, Second I, thing okay. I, I would not modify what you said was um, it's not just the present U.S. administration that did this, that ignored these things. The Obama administration did as well. So that, And it was the Carter administration that let the mullahs take power in the first place. Yeah, well, okay, that that's, that's a debatable. And also Democrats. They, 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 yeah. There was a place to say that, they, that the reign of the Shah was too harsh and maybe the reign of the 
you know, the, of the unknown might not have been as bad as, um, uh, as, as the Shah. So you can, you, can, you can forgive Carter because he really was kind of stupid. I mean, basically, they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't predict the, 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 the revolution. They didn't understand it. The CIA, as usual, failed in, in, in predicting it, failed in understanding it, failed in comprehending the processes going on there. I, 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 I think that you give too much uh, forgiveness and credence. I, I, you know, I just, I, it's hard for me to believe that a, a, a country as powerful, of the, as powerful as the United States would not have the intel that they need to understand the culture and what's going on there. That's what you have experts for, and they're supposed to be there to be able to tell you these things and not be naive and not know. And in any case, to let a religious fanatic that hates the West go in when you had a friendly Shaw to the West, it shows me, at least, or or makes me lean to the the opinion that something stinks there. Well... Uh, uh, to just support your opinion, uh, uh, there was an article that came out, I think, on this past Sunday, two days ago, that was written by a former NSA official, National, uh, um, uh, uh, what do they call them, National Security Association or, or whatever, an agency, whatever it's called, I don't know, NSA, a former senior person in NSA who happened to be Jewish, and he discovered after he'd retired that there was someplace in the NSA, it was called the Jewish Room. Right. You're talking about Bruce Brill, and I have his book also, and I've been reading it. Yeah. Okay. And I'll be and, interviewing and the, him sometime. And, and, and in this future. article was published just, I think it was on Sunday, or I think I received it on Sunday in any case. And uh, 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 um, so you're right that they should have known. But we, what we all do know, anyone involved in Intel at any level um, is aware that. U.S. intel sourcing throughout the Middle East, um, basically forever, has been um, pathetic. The United States has always been dependent upon Israel for any intel in 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 the region. They claim that they're not. They try to use intel from other places as well, like from Egypt and from Saudi Arabia and from other places, but... They're, they're, these countries don't really have very sophisticated in, in, intelligence organizations. Um, okay. So you are correct, absolutely, that they should know. Do they know? That's an open question. I don't think I don't think they do, but maybe you're right. Maybe I'm being too forgiving. Okay. All right. So is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to cover? The Mississippi River. Uh, Mississippi, yes. We mentioned before the, the, the Rhine, and, 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 and we've mentioned it several times over the, over the, past, uh, over the past year, actually, uh, the, the, the water levels of the Rhine. It turns out that the, um, the Mississippi River, which has been the, the primary commercial advantage that the U.S. has had historically as a trading nation, uh, uh, Tens of percent, I won't go into detail, we don't have the time for it, and it's not necessary. Any American knows this, every, every American knows this. Uh, the Mississippi River and uh, uh, New Orleans, um, that's how they ship out all of their bulk cargoes, whether it's uh, 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 grains, wheat, corn, barley, etc., whether it's uh, um, uh, um, iron ore or, or coal or any of these other things. It's all shipped down the Mississippi River. The Mississippi River is at the lowest level in recorded history. It reached that level in October 2022. Um, it rose a little bit 
since then because there have been some rains in the, during the winter. We don't know what's going to happen this coming summer. I don't want to make a prediction. I will make a prediction on one level, however. Um, when we're seeing that water levels throughout Europe, throughout all the navigable rivers of Europe, throughout the, the most important navigable river in America, are all dropping precipitously, and somebody who still thinks that God isn't paying attention, it seems rather foolish. Okay. All right. Uh, any other nasty stuff going around now? There's so much that it's just impossible to do. It, 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 it's becoming difficult to limit things. The stuff is going on, and complexity is growing all the time. We need to understand that everything is interrelated. And I, don't, I can't go into it right now. We don't have time. But if we can just look at, for instance, the Middle East, just as an example, um, when you start looking at things, uh, uh, um, let me put it this way. If you look at everything in the Middle East through a Western um, uh, a mindset, and this is not criticism of the Western mindset, of course, but if you look at somebody's someplace that's not Western through the Western mindset, you're not going to understand what's going on. So if you say, well, uh, Iraq, for instance, just to give one example, Iraq is 70% Shia, they're obviously the natural allies of Persia, of Iran. Well, it's not so much the case. Um, uh, 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 Sistani, who's the leading um, um, uh, uh, um, uh, cleric in Iraq, utterly despises Iran and refuses to have anything to do with them. Why? Because the Iraqi Shis place a greater emphasis on their Arabism than they do on their Shiism. And the Arabs and the Aryans of Iran have never got along and still don't. So when you have conflicting hatreds between people, these things can get to be very, very complex calculus. And the, 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 the entire Middle East, for instance, is rife with these kinds of conflicts. So Turkey is trying to reestablish an Ottoman Empire. Iran is trying to reestablish a Persian Empire. And they despise one another, not only because of the Shia-Sunni divide, but because of the different peoples as well. And when you start taking all of these things into account, you start to get a very complex picture. So that's the basic answer to how many other nasty things are going on. Well... When Erdogan, who was just re-elected yesterday for another five-year term, talks about the new Ottoman Empire, remember, that includes the Uyghurs of China, which is why China is not terribly pleasant towards the Uyghurs there. Are you starting to get a picture of how things interact and how complex they can be? That's 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 a big picture. Yeah, and just so people understand, with uh, the elections that went on in Turkey, it was basically uh, they had to re. It was a runoff. It was a, runoff, a runoff, right? Because uh, his opponent had gotten a lot of votes, and so Erdo and Erdogan does not want to give up power, and so there's perhaps a lot of hanky panky that went there in order to have him keep his power, but uh, that's all I'll say. 
Well, we know, none of us know, for instance, if, if those elections were fair or not elections, but we don't know any place today if elections are fair or not. Uh, 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 in 2016, they, 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 the Democrats claimed that the Republicans were, were elected illegally, and in 2020, the Republicans claimed that the Democrats were elected illegally. So who's right? I don't know. I can't know. Again, the levels of complexity are just too broad today. There are too many actors, and they're all getting increasingly active. And on that, I'm going to end with a joke, and the, an old Jewish joke about a judge who his wife comes to visit him while he's in court, and he gives a verdict, and he says to the one lawyer, he says, you're right. And then the other lawyer says, but wait a second. You haven't heard my side of the story. And he gives his side of the story, and the judge says, you're right. And then the, and then the wife says, how can they both be right? And the judge says, you're right, too. Ta-da-ta. And with that, we will end the story of... Very appropriate. <laughs> of the, the judge and his wife. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening in on the Tamar Yona Show here on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. If you want any sources, links to some of the information that was given on the show by Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, I'm sure he'll welcome your emails. And uh, you can write me, Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com or info at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And we'll pass those letters over to him and he can be in touch with you directly. So I want to thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, for being with us. Thank you for having me. A lot of fun. A lot of fun to talk about what's going on in the world, isn't it? Yeah, even the nasty stuff, even nuclear war, even <laughs> countries going bankrupt fun. from such high debts. The research is fun. <laughs> You're an optimist. All right, it's all going to be in the. It's all going to be good in the end, though. We know that. All right, be well, everybody. 